Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. And uh, I was just thinking, um, when Jenny was playing that song, you are my hiding place, I will trust in you. What beautiful words. And I think even with today's message, when we talk about sin, it's, it's hard and it's uncomfortable, but I was thinking to myself, we don't run away from God or from Jesus, but we run to Him. And so just keep that in mind as we, as we consider these, uh, uh, another list of sins today is uh, if you feel convicted, uh, run to the Lord, not away from the Lord. And uh, I have just a few opening remarks before we open with prayer, and so um, I was thinking about uh, sometimes when the standard is high, which it is in God's Word, right, and the bar is high, uh, some people think that's judgmental or harsh, and I think it's, it's uh, important to remember that we never lower the bar. We don't want to lower the bar of God's Word, but we, we remember God's grace, and I was thinking that even this morning as we sang uh, how, how thankful we are for His grace and His mercy. And I remember when we were studying a class, uh, we had a class in Sunday school and one in the men's study, and they were both, uh, I think, by Jerry Bridges, and it was uh, books about looking at your sin, and, and I felt, uh, man, week after week I was kind of getting a double shot of this, and, I, and it was kind of bringing me down. I, I felt like I was, I guess, because I was seeing my sin. And I remember uh, driving down the road, listening to the radio one day, and how uh, was, I don't even remember the exact song, but it was about God's grace and his mercy. And man, I was drinking that in, because that's what I needed. And I think, so I just encourage you to remember his grace and his mercy as we go through this message. And so I have a few just quick points I want to share about uh, um, this idea of keeping the bar uh, where God uh, has it. So let's keep God's standard true to his word where he set the bar, remembering these uh, five points, that this standard is for believers and is for our good, that there is a process in maturing uh, as a Christian. And we'll talk about this today, about putting off the old self and putting on the new. So we're all at different points in our journey with that, so I think we always need to be careful. Don't judge and look at somebody else, but just keep uh, putting off the old in your own life and putting on the new. And then number three, I wrote, uh, be humble, knowing that it's God's grace that has helped us mature in Christ. And I think that's always important that we should be humble. If by God's grace you've matured and you've put a lot of these sins behind you, uh, just be humble when you see somebody else who's still struggling with those sins. And I wrote down, we struggled with some of the same sins in our past as we see in others. And others, other uh, people's sin looks worse than ours because we tend to minimize our own sin. I think that's another reality that is just uh, what it is. And so I wrote down, uh, so the sins we'll be looking at today are anger, wrath, malice, slander, um, obscene talk, and lying. And so I wrote down, uh, don't excuse sin. And I did this last week too because uh, the some of the sins that we're dealing with today, you'll hear statements like this that uh, uh, tend to excuse some of these. And uh, for example, people say, "Well, I just have a bad temper," 
that's just the way it is. And then it's like they can't do anything about it. Or they say, uh, I'm just letting off some steam. That's all. And uh, another thing that people say is, uh, I just need to get this off my chest. And so, uh, and then another sin we're dealing with today is slander. And about slander, sometimes uh, it's said, uh, oh, this is not slander because it's true. And that's actually not the case. It's more, uh, does it help or does it hurt that person is really what we should be thinking about. And so this message has great significance for our church and how we get along with each other. And I would say for marriages and for your neighbor and for your coworker and and for all areas of our lives. Um, Anger that is not dealt with or slander against uh, another's reputation is divisive. Cultural barriers uh, where some, this is our last part of our message, cultural barriers where some think they are better or more important in God's church needs to be done away with. Let's open now with a word of prayer before we read uh, our scripture for today. Our Heavenly Father, uh, even as the song said, we need you. I know I need you to uh, deliver your word in in an accurate, truthful way, and so I pray for your help. And Lord, we need your Holy Spirit here uh, directing your words to each person as uh, you have designed today. And we just uh, know that uh, uh, you will help us, Lord, and we ask for that today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can open your Bibles to Colossians uh, chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to do like I did last week. I'm going to start right in verse 1 where Dan preached before even last week's message because I think it's good to have the context. And then uh, we'll go ahead and read right through verse 11. And then our scripture today will start in verse 8. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. And here's where our text begins today. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So that's our text for today. And if you keep your Bible open, I I usually um, break, kind of go verse by verse or half a verse by half a verse and try to just bring the truth out that's in God's Word, and that's my plan today. And I use, uh, I had four commentaries that I used, but I mostly used John MacArthur's on this. And I just felt it was good to share that because uh, I just want you to know that uh, 
I used, he helped me a lot, you might say, with his commentary. And uh, so in our first uh, section here, we have uh, the list of sins. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through uh, each, each one that's on the list and just give an explanation so we understand it a little bit more. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time, kind of like we did last week in the response part, and have more um, just uh, discussion about applying this uh, scripture today. So the sins in this second list are not so much personal as social. They are committed directly against other people. Reversing the pattern of the first list, Paul begins with the motive and progresses to the evil act. Put aside is from a Greek word that is used for taking off clothes. As a person takes off dirty clothes at the end of the day, so should believers discard the filthy, tattered rags of their old life. So the first uh, thing to discard is anger. So anger is a deep, smoldering, resentful bitterness. It is the settled heart attitude of the angry person. Provocations do not create his anger, but merely reveal that he is an angry person and give him a target for his fury. That has no place in a Christian's life. Rather, believers are to be slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And we have two verses um, on the overhead that Caleb has for us. Uh, and Ephesians uh, 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And then in James 1, 19 uh, and 20, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And the next sin that's on the list here is wrath, and that refers uh, to a sudden outburst of anger. Anger and wrath are closely related. The churning, boiling anger that often lies just below the surface gives rise to eruptions of wrath. And one of my commentaries uh, uses uh, kind of the example of like if you light straw on fire. It, it flames quickly and then dies down. And as I was thinking about my own life, and I'll speak more to this later, but um, I think I suppressed my anger. And so... It's hard, you know, if I, I'll share more about this later, but um, I, I mostly kept a lid on it, but uh, I, I believe it's still sin, and so it needs to be dealt with. But So I think that's uh, just the reality. We're different. We're wired different that way. Some people, um, they don't suppress it, but it comes out, and, and that's sin as well. The next word on the list is malice. Malice is a general term for moral evil. It is the vicious nature which is bent on doing harm to others. In this context, it probably refers to the harm caused by evil speech. And then we have slander. And uh, slander does not build community, it divides it. Anger, wrath, and malice often result in slander. So remember, we started out more with the, um, the thoughts and the motives and then the act is uh, clearly slander is an act, an evil act of sin. And so that's something that we need to uh, guard ourselves. And slander refers to every kind of speech which one delights in sharing 
with someone else at the expense of another person. And as I shared earlier, um, something to test when, when we, we talk about someone else is, is if it's helping or if it's hurting. And so I think that's just something to be very careful of. And even sometimes I found myself um, maybe sharing information that wasn't necessary. could have just been left out. It just wasn't necessary to the conversation. And so I think it's just to be, it's good to be on our guard. The believer's speech um, must not be marred by insults or disparaging remarks directed at others. And um, we have another scripture, 522, uh, that speaks to this. And this is Jesus talking, uh, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire and that verse is uh, so strong in its wording but some of the other uh, words that that help us to understand what it is like to insult the brother is uh, the expression good for nothing right if you say man that guy's he's good for nothing that's that's insulting and uh, or if we say ah he's worthless no no he's not and um, so we have to guard ourselves for, from ever uh, allowing that kind of speech out of our mouths. People are to be treated with dignity because they are made in the image of God. Okay, So everybody out there is made in the image of God. And so we always need to keep that in mind. Uh, the measure of a Christian speech about another person is not whether it's true or false, but whether it helps or hurts, as we shared before. So the next one on the list is obscene talk or abusive speech. Some uh, versions use abusive speech. And this refers to derogatory speech intended to hurt and wound someone. It could be translated uh, foul-mouthed abuse. Our Lord stressed the seriousness of watching what we say uh, when he warned in uh, Matthew 12, 36 is um, another scripture we have here. Caleb's going to pull that up. Uh, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. That's, um, that got my attention just because uh, I sometimes rattle on and, and I think that when we, the more we rattle on, the more risk there is for... Uh, saying something that's not right. So I would just, I had to caution myself being one that uh, tends to speak too much to be careful of not rattling on too much. And so uh, Paul warns against a final sin by exhorting believers uh, not to lie to one another. And we have uh, two scriptures here. Uh, lying characterizes Satan, not God. When believers lie, they are imitating Satan, not their heavenly father. The first one, John uh, eight forty four, you are of your father the devil. This is Jesus talking about the Pharisees, and y and y your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I was thinking, I don't know if you listened to the praise uh, one hundred six. But there's a song on there that says uh, that sings out, "He is a liar and 
boy, when I first heard that, that kind of stuck in my head. I thought, yeah, that's who the devil is. He's a liar. And that song's right on. The next scripture we have, uh, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And we know this is true, but we see it stated in scripture that our God never lies. And so we don't want to be um, in that category of, of uh, being characterized uh, by lying, which uh, we see in Satan. And so I'm going to, if you look in your Bibles, you can follow along. This is the uh, second half of verse 9 and, uh, and part of verse 10. And it says, Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. And I titled this uh, section, The Position of the New Man. And um, I always try to make uh, my messages plain and understandable, but I think we'll have to listen carefully as I read this because it, it's some, it can be difficult to understand how this all works. And um, so the first uh, point here is the old self is laid aside. This section links Colossians 3, 5 through 9a, which is the, all the list of the sins, which tell uh, believers what to put off, and then Dan's going to be preaching next week on verses 12 uh, through 17, what to put on, and so we'll look for that next week. It bridges the chasm between the old self and the new self, a chasm that believers could never have crossed unless Jesus had made us new creatures, and I think here I just want to pause and say um, because sometimes uh, we can be judgmental even of the world around us, I think we need to clearly remember if it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be here, I believe. You wouldn't be sitting here. And so this is just something uh, I wrote down, uh, just kind of a little praise, exalting of the Lord. Uh, we praise you, Jesus, for making us a new creation. And uh, the beautiful thought is, if you think about the, uh, before the fall, it's like uh, a new a recreation, right? When you become a Christian, it's like God is recreating you back to his original intent, which was uh, before the fall. And I thought to myself, uh, must have been interesting with Adam and Eve uh, as having a perfect marriage, you know, until the fall, at least, and uh, never fighting, never an argument, no anger, right? And so... Uh, what, what a beautiful thought that we are being recreated to, to be back uh, to what uh, Jesus' original intention was. And so, <clears throat> I have to find my place back in my notes. We praise you, Jesus, for making us a new creation. Back to your original plan in Genesis for mankind. To have sweet fellowship with you, our God. And I thought of this analogy we read in, uh, in the Scriptures about, uh, like, they were walking and talking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. What a beautiful thought. And the beautiful thought is we too can walk and talk with God. And so we can experience that even today. And um, so at, at salvation, the old self was done away with. And we used this scripture last week, but this scripture works uh, so clearly for this message as well. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
Salvation is transformation. The old self is gone, replaced by the new self. And this is where it's, it, uh, I think you'll have to listen closely. Even though we have a new identity in Jesus Christ, we are still tempted by sin. The question then arises as to why believers sin if the old self is gone. They do so because the new self lives in the old body and must contend with the flesh. The flesh includes all the sinful desires and drives and passions associated with our humanness. And of course, we long for the day when we will have glorified bodies and will not be tempted by sin anymore. So this is temporary, but this is interesting that we are a new creation. And uh, we have an analogy uh, uh, that I think comes later, but I'll keep reading. The Christian who cannot look back and realize how his life has been changed stands in desperate need of recommitment to Christ. And I, I would just say, you know, uh, I know some maybe churches would overemphasize a recommitment, but I think the, the, if, if we're not seeing progress in our Christian walk, and I think it's hard to see sometimes, so I wouldn't say look back last week uh, or a month even, but maybe over a longer period of time. If we're not seeing progress in our Christian walk of putting off the old and putting on the new, it, it might be good for us to look at our commitment with Christ. And, and was, our, was our original commitment sincere and, tr- and that we were, were we really trusting the Lord? Because this is the natural thing for the Christian is this uh, process of putting off the old and putting on the new. And I'll talk a little more about that later. Um, moral transformation needs to become real in our lives. <clears throat> so I, I have uh, the new self in verse, uh, the second part of verse 10. Uh, uh, the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And so this is um, what we need to look at is how, how this, and Dan will be preaching on this more next week, but um, how do we um, become renewed uh, in, in, in our lives and become putting on the new self. And so the progress of the new man is what I titled this section. Um, possession of the new self does bring the believer new life, but not instant spiritual maturity. The flesh will continue to dangle the garments of the old self in front of the new man and urge him to put them on. The battle against the flesh will go on throughout uh, our lives. The new self is complete, yet has the capacity for growth. And I think that the, what I understood from the commentary, if you think about a baby who's absolutely born complete, right? It's got everything there but it just needs to grow. And I think that's kind of a, a good analogy for us as Christians is that we start out as a baby and we need to grow. And that's a, a natural thing. So we have everything. We're not incomplete, but yet we need to grow. So uh, that part of that verse was being renewed in knowledge. And some versions of the Bible would say being renewed in true knowledge. And the process of renewal brings increased knowledge. And I was thinking uh, in Proverbs, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So when we say fear, we're not, that's not a 
word sometimes we use in a, in a, in a good sense, but I would say uh, reverence and to be in awe of the Lord and to be ready to obey the Lord. And so that's how we begin our journey as a baby Christian. The source of knowledge is the Bible. There is no growth in the Christian life apart from knowledge. And that's a strong statement, but I thought, boy, that's, um, that's important for us as, as believers. And so, you know, we have Sunday school, men's study, uh, besides our, our regular worship time, but, but how important it is to have knowledge of God's Word um, and even our personal times with the Lord, renewing our minds and helping us to change and to put on the new self. In Romans 12, 2, we have here, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And for the Christian, this is the only way to test. In uh, some, uh, we sometimes talk about the the scripture is like a plumb bob, you know, like the carpenter uses sometimes with the with the string with the weight on it, and and we know that that's absolutely true. And so, when we look at our world, we need to use scripture to find out what's straight and what's crooked. And that's, that's why the Bible is so key for us. <clears throat> the new life becomes progressively more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ who created Him. And this is uh, the last part of that verse talking about uh, that we're being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. And so it is God's plan to make believers like Jesus Christ. And... Um, this is is a, is amazing thought that as we journey through our Christian life, if we are putting off the old and putting on new, and I, I've seen this in in some of the senior saints in our church, and and you say there's a beauty about them, and it's because they look like Jesus Christ, and and what what a greater what greater compliment could there be, right? That some would say that you have the image of Jesus Christ. And so this ought to be a goal of ours and a challenge for us to go after that we want to be like Jesus Christ and, and look like Jesus Christ. And yet we, we would have to say just humbly, it's all by God's grace, right? So if ever you get a compliment like that, make sure you give God all the glory because uh, remember that you are recreated, right? Otherwise you wouldn't, You'd never been on that journey, right? You'd have never been on that journey of getting rid of the, the what I could say is garbage and putting on this new, uh, beautiful self that's in the image of Christ. And then I thought an important part to remember is the Holy Spirit uh, teaches us through His Word. And so I've, I learned this um, in a men's study, that, um, and I've done it ever since, especially preparing for a message. But whenever you go to read God's Word, is always ask the Holy Spirit for help. Because think of how it could be, and I do this to remind myself, it's, it's arrogant to think that my human brain or my IQ can figure this out okay, on my own. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that we sometimes say illuminates, right? It, it puts a light on 
and it makes it clear. So every time you go to read God's Word, I think it's a good practice to say, uh, to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand what you're reading. And, and not only to understand it, but to put it into practice. And then lastly, uh, we have this morning the partnership of the new man. And um, the verse 11 says, uh, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So just as believers uh, put off the habits of the old self, so also the church puts off the old barriers that separated people. And uh, I thought of a beautiful example. I forget the gentleman's name that came from India. Dan, what was that gentleman's name that preached here? Moses, that's right. And remember when Moses gave his message? I hope some of you heard it. He talked about the church in India. And as, as many of you know, there's a caste system there that's super rigid. And in the church, they had people from the upper class doing uh, like cleaning the bathrooms and stuff. And, and they said, and, and somebody came to him and said, no, you're not to do that. You're from the upper class. You've got to let those lower class people. But it was, his, it was a joy to hear that this man said no. And that's what it's like in the church. There is no upper and lower classes. It's, it's, uh, that's all done away with. There's no place for racial barriers or cultural snobbery. God has united all believers in Christ Jesus. The Greek and the Jew, one circumcised and the other uncircumcised, were separated by seemingly insurmountable racial and religious barriers. They had nothing to do with each other. Jewish people refused to enter a Gentile house. They would not eat a meal cooked by Gentiles, nor buy meat prepared by Gentile butchers. Even the apostles were reluctant to accept gentiles as equal partners in the church remember peter's vision right with the sheet coming down with the with the food on it remember and uh that's a beautiful story you should read that if uh, but think about how hard it was for peter even to come to grips with that that idea that the gentiles and the jews were on the on the like on the same footing strong cultural barriers uh, pervaded the ancient world the cultured educated greek or jew looked with contempt on the barbarian or Scythian. Barbarian was a word to describe people who spoke in inarticulate and stammering speech. The Scythians, above all barbarians, were hated and feared. They were a nomadic, warlike people who invaded the Fertile Crescent in the 7th century before Christ. I read some of the things about these people, and it was, it was horrific. Um, it's good that all of you are sitting down, otherwise you might fall over when I tell you some of the things they did. Uh, for example, in war, the first person they killed, they would actually drink their blood. And uh, things like that. I won't go into more detail than that. But I say that because the Muslim extremists that we see beheading people, um, the horrendous things, uh, you know, sometimes we say, well, there's never been anything like this. But yeah, there has. And, uh, but still... This is a, a call in the church. If uh, a Muslim extremist, if he became a believer, he would be right on the same level with all of us. He would be our brother, right? And so I think that's important to remember. And, and for this area, you know, I almost hesitate to even mention potential uh, groups of people 
because uh, that might even in and of itself seem a racist. But you take the Indians, you know, or the Mexicans or whatever. Yeah. Or you could, some people, it could be the rich white people like me, right? Because they, they might view me as, as someone uh, who is, uh, you know, less than. And so uh, the ancient world, just like the modern, was an elaborate network of prejudice, suspicion, and arrogance so ingrained as to be thought natural and normal. There is no place for man-made barriers in the church. And this is the last point. Since Christ is all and in all. Because Christ indwells all believers, all are equal. He breaks down all racial, religious, cultural, and social barriers and makes believers into one new man. And I, I love to share the story about uh, Temeskin, uh, my friend, and uh, he lived, uh, we sponsored him from Ethiopia. But the day he came, he hardly could speak a word of English. And, uh, and so, but I knew uh, his background in, from a friend that I had. And uh, so I knew he was a believer, but I just immediately felt a connection with him. Even though the color of our skin was different, uh, the culture was different, the food they ate uh, is different, which I learned to love and got to enjoy. And, and, uh, but all those things were different. But because of Jesus Christ, man, I felt immediately like he was my brother. And I just had the most wonderful times. Uh, not only did he live in our basement for a couple of years, but he also worked for me. So he landed the next day or a couple of days he was working. And, also, and so we had a, a joyful time. And... Uh, my children, you know, were small and grew up with him around, and, and what a beautiful memory uh, for them as well that uh, in God's church, uh, we're all on the same plane. And I felt that when Moses came and when Uncle Jones came, I just felt, this is my brother, and I, I never, and I think that's a beautiful thought in God's church. And so um, I'm going to spend just uh, the last part of our time in the response area. And last time I threw out some questions and I would just say these questions are, made, are, are, are put out there to make you think. And so I think it's possible to take a question a little bit wrong, but I just encourage you to think about it. And um, I'm hoping that that helps us to apply this message. And so take it in that regard. But I'll share a few examples about anger from my own life. I thought it was good for me to do this and to make it more real. And uh, I think it's hard for us to sometimes to really look at ourselves. And so perhaps this will help. But I remember when I was uh, uh, just out of high school working for my dad. And uh, I, I had a wonderful relationship with my dad. But during those early years, it was tough because I was, he was my employer besides my dad. And so I had the habit of sleeping in and not being up on time in the morning. And back then, we milked the cows twice a day. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, we had to be up. And, and this was uh, like a pet peeve or something he felt very strongly about and something that I missed the mark many times. And part of the reason was probably I was up too late at night, you know, uh, up to no good, and, and that didn't help, I'm sure. But I remember at the breakfast table the tension that was there between me and my father. And it was almost like my teeth were kind of clenched, you know. But, um, but, but still, you know, we got through those years. And I, and I don't blame my dad at all for this. I think part of it, and it wasn't all that, it wasn't just anger that I had toward my dad. I think it was 
maybe anger in general toward life, and I was young trying to figure it out, and I was, wasn't living for the Lord, so I'm sure that didn't help. And so that was a time, in fact, uh, later in, in when I started drinking and getting into that, which was also during this time, which, you know, I started out for fun, right? And it was, but later on, as uh, I continued down that path, it was kind of a way of uh, dealing with my anger. And so later on when I had to uh, deal with my drinking problem, uh, I found that, yeah, that was a, that was a way uh, that I just kind of gravitated as I drank longer, that I was uh, dealing with my anger. And like I was sharing earlier, it was I suppressed all my anger. So I don't remember blowing up at my dad. And I had great respect for my dad. And my dad's been gone for about 20 years. So, so even during those years, I would say that in my mind, I thought, you know, someday I want to be a Christian like my dad. So it wasn't like that... Uh, I hated my dad or anything, but, uh, but anyway, so I, I'll move on now uh, to when I was in my early 30s, and um, uh, I worked uh, as a farmer, as some of you know, and, and uh, so back then it was pretty much all working on the dairy, and um, my way of working was to, to kind of sprint and to, uh, to run hard, and, and so I kind of gritted my teeth a little bit during work, and you could say, well, that's not so bad, but I think Part of what told me that it might not be right is I had a friend, uh, his name was John Smith, and he just passed away a couple of years ago. He's a wonderful man, but he was always almost too happy, I thought. You know, he was kind of jolly, <laughs> and so I'd go over to his place on Sunday nights, and when I went there, I had a great time with him visiting, but if I was working during the week and I would run into him on the road and he, went on, and he wanted to stop and talk, I didn't want to talk to him. I thought, I don't have time for that jolly asking, you know, talking and stuff. I got work to do. And so I think, I think that was part of my work is just uh, grind it out. And even, you know, with, with coming home sometimes with Ruth, um, I grabbed my lunch and I always took a nap in the afternoon because I got up at four and, and I didn't really have time to talk to Ruth either because uh, I was focused and it was all about work. And, and so those, that's a kind of an anger, I think, that some of us, and, and now since... Uh, you know, I've grown older, I think, yeah, you can, you can have joy and work at the same time, even if you are focused and try, excuse me, trying to get a lot done. And so the last example I have is uh, just more recently. In fact, um, <coughs> my brother, as some of you know, runs the dairy, and I've, I've run the cheese side of the business with uh, employees and Ruth, and, but... Um, so I have uh, a very good relationship with my brother, but there's, I tell people it's not perfect, so there's times where sometimes things come up in disputes. And, but there was one thing, uh, and I won't even get into it because it doesn't matter what it was, but man, I was, I was rehearsing all the reasons I had why I was right, you see. And man, that can consume a lot of time where you can, you know, and, and that might be a danger sign if your thoughts, if you're just consumed with thinking why, why am, these are all the reasons I'm right, and when I go talk to him, I'll lay it out, and he'll, he'll have to concede <laughs> that I was right. And I think that anger and selfishness uh, is, is a danger. I think sometimes those two are connected, maybe not always. And, and there is a place for righteous anger too, which I don't think I'll get into today because I don't have time to get into that. So I wouldn't say that Every time a person was angry was sin. 
but I, but I think that every time you're angry, even if it was for the right reason and you lost control, I think that would be sin. And so, uh, yeah, this has kind of been my journey, and I'm trying to share also with you. Um, if you'd asked me when I was a young person, are you an angry person? I'd say, no, I'm not angry. You know, I, I don't think I was really able to analyze. And so that's part of my goal in this last section here. I'm just going to do kind of a quick review of what we've, and you may think, well, I've heard it already, but I'll do a quick review. And, and that's my goal for you today is to just to try to assess if there's anger in your heart and, um, and, and try to deal with that if, if it is. And so uh, I wrote down, uh, as we said, anger, the definition was it's a deep, smoldering, uh, resentful bitterness. So my question is, is there someone that your thoughts go back to over and over again that you are angry with? Is your mind uh, making your arguments why you are right and they are wrong? And as I shared earlier, selfishness and anger often go together. And it's kind of the idea of, uh, I want my way. And what, one thing I didn't share about this situation, uh, uh, just a couple the most recent ones, is that I just kept my mouth shut and I just trusted the Lord. And I think, man, there's a beauty in just saying, I'll let the Lord take care of it. You see, I think so often we think, man, I've got to step up, stand up for myself, and I've got to make my case. And, but I think there's times where it's best to just, just pray about it and trust the Lord. And in these couple of situations, I, I would just say God worked it out beautifully. And I was glad that I never uh, made a bigger deal out of it. The, the reality was it was a big deal in my head because it was like going over and over. But, but nobody, so to speak, saw it, which doesn't totally justify it. But I would just say, yeah, trust the Lord and, uh, and, then, and then let the Lord uh, deal with uh, some of these things. And so I have uh, written down wrath. Uh, do you have sudden outbursts of anger? Something happens and triggers an eruption of your temper. Malice, is there someone uh, that you would love to cut down with some choice words? Slander, do you delight in sharing with someone else at the expense of another person? Remember, the measure of a Christian speech about another person is not whether true or false, but whether it helps or hurts that person. An abusive speech, derogatory speech intended to hurt and wound someone. Remember that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render an account for it in the day of judgment. And then the last uh, one on the list was, uh, do not lie to one another. So let's be open and honest with each other, even about our struggles with sin in our lives. And I thought, you know, it was interesting, it didn't just say, do not lie, but it said, do not lie to one another. And I thought, in this context, I think it's good for us to be, to be open and honest uh, that we still struggle with sin. And then, uh, in regard to that, uh, we can pray for each other, right? You can help pray for me and my weaknesses. If I have a, somebody that I'm close to, I can share it with. And that, in that way, we can help each other even uh, with that. And so I like uh, Pastor, I think I heard this terminology from him, progress, not perfection, okay? Because I think uh, if you're looking for perfection, you're just going to give up 
throw your hands up and, and you're not even going to try anymore. And I don't think that's right. I think we have to, to, to look at progress. And uh, I think sometimes uh, it's helpful to have someone in your life, uh, maybe your spouse or a friend, and you could ask them, uh, do you think I'm making progress? And um, so that's something else to uh, consider. So let's put away the old self and put on the new self. Through the renewal of our minds, remember that part, right? Through God's Word. Read it, understand it, and put it into practice. And ask the Holy Spirit for help. And remember, there is no place for barriers in God's church. It's all about Jesus. Christ is all that matters. That last little scripture, we said Christ is all and in all. In the, in the Phillips translation, it, it, it said it this way. Christ is all that matters. For, and then uh, for Christ uh, lives in all believers. So let's uh, close now in prayer. Come to the Savior now, He gently calleth thee. In true repentance bow, before Him bend the knee. Come and for every grief in Jesus you will find a sure and safe relief, a loving friend and kind. Lord, we want to be more like You in everything we do. We love You and we thank You for being our Savior and friend. In Your name we pray. Amen.